about seven miles from Jerusalem. Okay, these guys are going to go walk seven miles. Can be done very easily. Uh, I've walked seven miles up a mountain before. That's a lot harder than what they were walking. This was kind of a downhill slope, and and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Can you imagine the conversation? These guys got to see everything happen. You know, they had they had been disciples of Jesus. And they got to see all these things. They were talking. <clears throat> and while they were discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And, and I'm going to take jumping in and out of the text. So if, if you're wondering if I'm in the text, it'll be up there. If, if I'm looking at it, you know, the, one of the thoughts that came to me here is Jesus is always willing to draw near to you. He's always willing to draw near. He's always there. But the other thing that we miss out on so much is that Jesus longs to walk with you. To do life with you is a phrase that friends of mine use a lot. Jesus is willing to be right there in every moment of your life with you. Even when you don't recognize him. And there, there's a world full of people that, that God is keeping his hand about them and protecting them from calamity because he wants them to know him. And they don't see it because maybe someone hadn't ever told them, hey, you know, when you should have died in that wreck, you didn't because God has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to know his son, Jesus. So Jesus can walk with you. If you go clear back to the beginning of the story, Adam and Eve, what did God do with them every day in the cool of the day? He walked with them. And this is a continuing theme throughout Scripture that God wants to walk with you. Even when you don't recognize Him. And, and I'm going to make the joke right now about these two disciples. It never gives us their names. So they must have been B-teamers. Okay, everybody sports-minded enough to know what the B team is? Okay, the, the, you have your A team. Those are the starters. Everybody knows the names of the starters, okay? Just go back to national championship games that just happened this last week in college. Tell me the third person that came off the bench for any of the teams. Call them by name, and you're a better fan than me. Because if they're not the five starters, they're the B team. Okay, if they're not the 12 disciples that we get named over and over and over in Scripture, we don't really know their names. Okay, I'm just being fair. They're B-teamers. Okay, these are, these are the scrub disciples. But the other thing that I'll tell you right here is Jesus showed up and walked with the scrubs. If you ever think you're not important to the gospel, well, I'm not the pastor. I'm just, I'm just I sit on the back row and... God could, God could never use me. Guess who made it into Scripture? The back row guys. The guys that didn't think they could do anything, they're going to walk with Jesus. But their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. And He said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still and they were looking sad. Which tells me that you know these guys were close to Jesus, even though they were B-teamers, because they were touched by what they had just seen and heard. 
They were touched. Their hearts were turned towards Jesus, even though they couldn't recognize him just yet. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, You're the only, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up, to, condemned to death, and crucified him. I want you to catch that. The, the B-teamers, they called him a man and a prophet. They, they kind of had ideas about who he was, but neither of them just flat out said who Jesus told them he was. That's why they're B-teamers. They didn't realize Jesus is the Son of God. But even the disciples, if you go read all the other accounts of the resurrection, they weren't sure. They weren't confident because, and, and let's be fair to them, if you watched someone die in front of your eyes that you'd believe was Messiah that was coming to free you from an oppressive government, even though he told you over and over that this kind of stuff, this was going to happen, I'm going to die and then I'm going to come back. He told you over and over, but would you believe it when you watched him die? We're, we're kind of unfair sometimes because we, we sit in our modern seat of righteousness like, yeah, I, I believe that. I could see that. I, I could watch somebody die and believe, yep, they're coming back. You don't know until you've been there. You know, we, we get to face that in our own lives when we lose a loved one that we know love Jesus. Do we really believe what we believe? And is it enough to help us cope with our grief but we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel ouch B-teamer we hoped he was the one to redeem Israel yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things happened moreover some of our women some of the women of our company amazed us they were at the tomb early in the morning and when they did not find his body they came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. This is why I call these dudes scrubs. The women who had went to the tomb came back and told them this. Did they go verify at the tomb? According to Scripture, we only have two disciples who did, and that's a funny story too, because Peter and the disciple who Jesus loved, which we know is John, went to the tomb, and the disciple who Jesus loved outran Peter. And he put it in the scripture for all the world to know from there on that, man, we had a foot race and I beat him. I mean, I got Tate and Rustin up here. How many times you beat each other in a foot race and you had to tell everybody, yeah, I'm faster than him. I'm faster than him. One time, little brother beat you. I'll tell you what happens that next race. You tripping. <laughs> I've been there because he ain't going to tell him that twice. But these guys had been told by people who had firsthand accounts that they'd gone and seen the empty tomb. And it still wasn't clicking. And I want you to understand that there's going to be times in your life where you're going to come in and, and there'll be people sitting next to you in the church that 
it's clicking for them and it's just not clicking for you. And you don't need to feel guilty about that because God sends his spirit to work in and through us in a time in which we're open and ready. And I'll tell you, sometimes you're just not open and ready and God still loves you. There, there's people who, if they got saved 10 years ago, would be a more dynamic preacher than me that are still sitting there with, do I really want Jesus to be the Lord of my life? Do I really want to make that commitment? Because they, they don't fully understand it yet and they're not ready. And guess what? Jesus is still walking right beside them, waiting for them to say, yes, I want you. I need you. And I'll tell you, sometimes you have to get to a point of desperation in your life for that to happen. And these guys aren't there. They weren't desperate. They wanted a Messiah, but Jesus didn't fit their description, so now they're confused. And we have a whole world full of people who are confused about what being a disciple of Jesus, being a Christian is. And the, the water gets muddier every day because a lot of people are throwing a lot of dirt in it. And I'll stop there because otherwise I'll be harping on the church this morning. All right. But Jesus meets us right where we are. And he doesn't hold our misconceptions about him against us. Okay, I've, I've covered that pretty solid, but I'm going to say one more thing on it. That, that there is an entire generation of people out there that will not come in the doors of the church because they were hurt by the church. Not because they were hurt by Jesus, but they were hurt by the church and people who thought they were doing God's will and telling them how to dress, how to act, how to speak, what to do in their spare time and what not to do. Instead of telling them about Jesus who loves them, who loves them just like they are. And when they come to know him, guess what? when He washes them in, the, in His blood and covers their sins, they will instinctively want to start changing their behavior. They don't need, and I'll, I'll just call it out, they won't need the grumpy old men in church or the little ladies in white tennis shoes telling them how to live a holy life. Because that's not your job. That's the Word of God's job. Your job is to love them until they know Jesus. That's, that's harder than I wanted to be on some people this morning, and it's not aimed at any one person. But like my friend Floyd says, the hit dog yelps. So if, if that hits you, maybe it's you. I didn't call any names this morning, did I, Titus? <laughs> There's the look. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. That was Peter and John. But him they did not see. How cool is that? They went and they saw the tomb. But they didn't see Jesus. I want you to understand something that, that a lot of us struggle with. Seeing isn't the same as believing. If you have to see Jesus perform miracles in order for you to believe in him, you're going to struggle. But I'll tell you this, when you start believing in Him, you'll start to see miracles. Because believing is what matters. If you were there for sunrise service, the dude jumped right in the middle of our Genesis stuff. Of course, he did it through Romans, but that's okay. Because Romans talks about Abraham 
believing God was counted to him as righteousness, which is also what we just talked about in Genesis. If you believe is when you're made righteous, which for those of you that may not know that big churchese word of righteous or righteousness, that just means you're in right standing with God. That things between you and God become okay at that moment. Because when you accept Jesus and you say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross for me. When you say that and you believe it, all of your other sins, God wipes the slate clean. And you're put in righteous standing with God. And I wish I could tell you the feelings behind it, but I don't do a lot of feelings. I believe that God's more concerned with, and when you read this in the Bible and it talks about your heart, it is your conscious intellect that the Bible is dealing with, not this blood pumping vessel that fails in a lot of people. Okay, that heart fails a lot. This heart, your, what's between your ears is desperately wicked on its own. But when you set it on Jesus and you surrender it to Him, it begins to lead you, like the 23rd Psalm says, in paths of righteousness. It's amazing. He said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Oh, man. Man, even Jesus is going to pile on now. These poor scrubs. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures of things concerning himself. You don't talk about how much you can talk about in seven miles. If he went from Moses through all the prophets, my church people are like, don't get ideas, pastor. It's taken us long enough to get through Genesis. But from Moses to the prophets, and Jesus just talks, and they don't get bored. They keep walking, and they keep listening. And they drew near to the village which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus is always willing to go farther but he's happy just to stay with you right where you're at. Sometimes we, we feel guilty like, I'm not, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so. Get out of the comparison game and understand that God's called you to walk the path that he's put you on. And, and that path is not some broad, easy-to-travel thing. Scripture talks about it. It says broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, and few be that find it. And I'll tell you why there's few that find it is because we're looking at other people's paths and wishing we were on that. I wish I was on that path. I wish I was doing that. I mean, I even caught myself at breakfast this morning. I wish I was in South America with y'all earlier this year, Graves. You know? <laughs> And I'm not, re I'm not retracting that statement at all, man. White sandy beaches, blue water, fresh fruit, lots of sunshine, maybe a rain shower or two. I don't know how close the rainforest you were, but, but I also know that God had me on a path here. And Jesus is happy to stay right where you're at. If you're not one of those people who's ready, guess what? Jesus will wait. 
Now there's, there, there's this expiration date called the end of your life where God's going to be through waiting around on you. I'm telling you, I'd rather live life with him and know that he's always willing to go farther. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. You want to talk about messing with the scrubs. Man, I'm telling you, we used to mess with the B-teamers all the time in sports. I'll just be honest. We picked on the B-teamers a little bit. Trying to make them better was our thing. Well, Jesus was having a make them better moment right here because he didn't reveal himself to them until breaks bread, hands it to them. Suddenly they recognize who he is and poof, he's gone. I love that. I, I love that because it gives evidence that after, after this life, we're not going to be bound by the laws of space, time, and physics. Because Alvy's here and he'll back me up on this. You know, matter cannot be created or destroyed. It just changes forms. And Jesus, just gone. He's just gone right then. And then he'll walk through walls, which, you know, not like, hey, Kool-Aid man, breaking through the wall. But he just walks through walls later in another account. It's like, you know, we're not going to be bound by the laws of nature in this world. And I saw that and it took me back to last week's message. Because they were just doing an everyday thing. They were sitting down to eat a meal at the end of the day. Just in the everyday moments is where God likes to meet us. And that's what Jesus was talking about at the Last Supper when he said, as often as you do this, remember me. Because when did they remember him? When he broke bread and he gave it to them. What did he do at the Last Supper? He broke bread and he gave it to them. I want you to understand that every time you open the Bible with the intent of knowing God more, you are asking Jesus to break bread and to give it to you. And he will meet you right there. He doesn't disappear. You're not a B-teamer. No more scrubs. But Jesus invites us to come into union with him. And that's the, the basis of the word communion. And I really thought about taking communion as a community today and and I, I backed off from it mostly because I I forgot to go get stuff. But the this morning we had an opportunity to sit around the table together and to fellowship and to break bread. And I hope that when you go and have family celebrations throughout the day when you sit down to eat that you pause for just a moment and you think about Jesus breaking bread and offering it to you. And, and that Jesus wants to do the everyday things with you. He, he wants communion with you. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road? 
And while he opened to us the Scriptures, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Okay, they just walked seven miles. They were there for the night. Jesus breaks bread with them, disappears. It's like, nope, we've got to go back and tell the A-team. Because the A-team's in Jerusalem. The B-teamers were going to the hot baths. I'm never going to get past that. <laughs> and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. How about that? The B-teamers get to come teach the A-teamers something. That, yeah, you know, you, you've got a little bit of something here, but guess what? He appeared to us too. And we know it was him because he walked with us and he opened the scripture to us and we still weren't sure it was him. And then he broke bread. Guys, you remember when he broke bread? Do you remember all the times he broke bread? I want you to understand in those everyday moments, that's where you're going to grow closer to Jesus. That's where you're going to know him. He's going to break bread with you in the everyday thing. And that's what today is. It's about knowing the resurrected Jesus and making him known right where you are in the everyday things. In the breaking of bread. If, if your job is breaking other things, in the breaking of those things. And the world doesn't need the preacher standing on the corner of the streets, waving his Bible, screaming at them they're going to hell. The world needs to see the resurrected Jesus doing life with you. Because it will change the way you act. It will change the way you talk. It will change the way you treat people who are so far off base in your mind that you can't, you can't imagine the bridge to get them back to reality. I'll tell you what that bridge is, is Jesus. But they're never going to know Him if all you do is say, well, your sin's different than mine. I can't talk to you. Because if you think you're without sin, Jesus referenced that too. And it was kind of a, a thing to do with looking at a speck in someone else's eye when you had a beam sticking out of yours. This is where you know Scott's picture last week of that cow rubbing that hook through its eyelid comes to mind. I should have stole that picture. It's a sermon illustration just waiting for home. But today is also a reminder that Jesus will reveal Himself over and over to us in the everyday things, in the breaking of bread. I'm telling you, if you're looking for Jesus in the everyday moments of your life, you will find Him. And sometimes you'll find Him when you're not even looking. So what will you do with Jesus? It, it, it doesn't have to be some big outward display. I always thought that you couldn't really be saved unless you came down and wept at an altar. That doesn't fit with the story of Easter. There, there was a guy hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Never came to an altar. 
Never got baptized. Never took communion. Never sat in a church service. Never told anyone else about the gospel. I mean, you want to wreck your theology, I'll, I'll let Jesus do it for you because that guy looked over at Jesus and said, I believe you are who you are. I believe you're the Son of God. And, and he cried out to him. He actually said, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a B-teamer, a scrub. And Jesus looked at him from the cross. One of the few things Jesus said while he was dying, he looked at this man and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I want you to know that knowing Jesus is as simple as believing in him. Believing he's the son of God. Believing he died on the cross. Believing He rose from the dead and believing He's coming again. And I'm telling you by what I read in the Bible that the, the time for making that decision is getting short. Because because man, throughout the history of the Bible, they, they go through cycles of getting evil and, and God brings them back and brings them back and brings them back. But we're going to get to the point, and we're getting there quickly, where the cry from this world is going to go up to God that, that the world's becoming too evil again, just like it was in the days of Noah. Just like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God's going to say, it's enough. Because that's who He is. He's the God who says it's enough. And when he says it's enough this time, he's going to tell Jesus, go back and get the people that know you. It's time, son. Go get them. And according to Scripture, it says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet, the archangel's trumpet will sound. And the eastern sky will split open. And Jesus will come. With, and, and it talks about, some people get excited about this, that, you know, it talks about he's riding a horse, talks about how he has a, a name on his thigh, and, and the, the descriptions with the translators a little tough there. It, it's either tattooed or branded. So some of you people that have hangups on that, I'll just tell you, Jesus, Jesus got something on his leg, and we're not 100% sure it's on the clothing he's wearing. So if Jesus got inked, I'm not, I'm just saying. You know, sometimes we disqualify people for the dumbest things that Jesus never would. And he's going to come back. And he's coming back for the people that know him. And in that day, it says that everyone will know and they will declare that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. The, the Arabs will call him the El Al El, the, the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine? People who have persecuted his name are going to have to declare that, yep, he is who he said he was. And my heart breaks for them because 
they'll get to declare it one time. And then according to the word, they'll stand before the great white throne of judgment, which all of us will do. All of us will stand before that. And on that day, you either have the advocate Jesus or you don't. And he was pretty clear in his word. He said, on that day, a lot of people will say, didn't we do all these great things in, in your name? And he said, I'll look at them sorrowfully and say, depart from me. I never knew you. The, the thing that the world struggles with is, is the fact that a righteous and loving God could ever create a destination for eternity known as hell. But I want you to understand that is the loving mercy of God as well because you will not have to live forever bound to your sin. That you can choose to be free from your sin and live forever in His presence or you can choose that your sin would take you to an eternal separation from Him because He's the God who knows when it's time to say enough. A lot of people don't like that version of God, but I love it. I love it because it, it, it's just like if you went on a boat ride as a little kid. You didn't have any choice. Mom and dad took you on the boat. The SS Titanic. It's an iceberg. Are you going to sit there as the boat's sinking and complain to the guy that's trying to put you on a life raft that I didn't even want to be here? I didn't want to be here. Or are you going to get in the lifeboat? A lot of people don't realize that is the eternity that we're facing. We're all in this boat called earth. And it's destined to sink and be destroyed. You didn't choose to be here. I get that. And you didn't want to have to have a Savior. But there's a Savior. There's a lifeboat. That's going to get you out of a sinking ship. And all you have to do is believe He is who He says He is. So this morning, if that's you, we're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to make a big gesture. I can tell you that God will probably lead you to contact me at some other time, and that's okay too. Because I want to know. I want to know so that I can pray with you and I can walk with you as you learn more about Jesus. But if, as we pray this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to, to know two very simple things. That Jesus loves you just where you are. He's not asking you to give up anything else. He's asking you to believe in Him. And if, if that's what you do today, if you say, Jesus, I believe in you, I can tell you, you don't have to have some big bubbly feeling. You can know that if you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that he did it. And you can know that if he comes back tomorrow, he's coming back for you. Jesus, thank you again for today. Thank you that you love us. Lord, that 
We're not just some B-teamers. And Lord, there's nothing we can do that can make you stop loving us. And Lord, the more we get to know you, the, the more we want to be like you. And you love people. And you love them enough to tell them the truth. And Lord, the more we love you, the more we want to do things that make you happy. And Jesus, this morning, if there's someone who doesn't have that relationship with you, that they don't know you, God, I pray that they would just, in their heart right now, that they would just tell you that they've messed up, they've done things wrong, they've done it their own way, and that they're sorry. And that they understand that you're the only one who can forgive them and make those things right. And that you died on the cross to do that. And that you rose from the grave so that they know that when this life is over, they have a place with you. God, that's the, the simple truth of Easter. Is that while we were all sinners, you died for our sins. And you rose on the third day so that we would have the hope of eternity with you.